0: Anthony Albertelli, and this is The Week in Doubt, a podcast for atheists, agnostics, and whoever. And this is episode 235, The Documentary Hypothesis. So I've mentioned The Documentary Hypothesis a number of times on the show over the years, most recently in last week's episode where I take a look at biblical doublets. While recording last week's episode, I got this feeling that I often get during unscripted episodes, as if a nagging voice in the back of my head is saying, you sure you want to say that? Maybe you should fact check that again or offer a more in-depth explanation, just in case. Then like a dummy, I usually ignore that sage advice and just plow ahead anyway, leaving me having to come back and issue a correction or mea culpa. I'm probably making it seem worse than it is with this build-up or preamble. I think I just gave a much too simple, perhaps a misleadingly simple, definition of the documentary hypothesis. I claim that it seeks to categorize the authorship of the Old Testament, at least the Torah or Pentateuch, the five books of Moses, based on the name the various authors use for God. Which is true in part. The documentary hypothesis breaks theorized authorship into four categories. E for Elohim or Eloist, J for Yahwist as in Yahweh. The initial J is used because of the Erroneous notion among early scholars or translators that God's name was supposed to be pronounced Jehovah, don't tell his witnesses. P for the priestly source, which I believe tends to use the names Elohim and El Shaddai for God. And then there's D, or the uh, Deuteronomous source. And to be honest, I'm not sure which name uh, for God D favors, but I think D was last of the categories to be posited. I believe it was suggested in the beginning of the 19th century by biblical scholar Wilhelm DeWett, uh, spelled Dewet, but I think it's pronounced Devet. But admittedly, there's a lot more to the documentary hypothesis than just simply categorizing the sources based on the use of specific names for God. I find such mistakes on my part usually occur when I'm talking off the cuff and passing about a subject I feel familiar with but haven't revisited or read up on in a while, and I'd like to thank friend and listener Liz Marie for gently echoing my concerns regarding my kind of sloppy or oversimplified explanation. I know I use that phrase, friend and listener, a lot, but I do sincerely consider those of you who I interact with regularly as my friends. Uh, But here's a comment Liz Marie left on the YouTube version of last week's episode. I've actually read The Bible with Sources Revealed by Richard Elliott Friedman on The Documentary Hypothesis, and it's a great resource to have at home because all the different four sources are highlighted in different colors, so that one can read them as standalone documents on their own. And it is very eye-opening. I recommend it. Also, it isn't just the name they use for God— but also the idea that Hebrew is an evolving language, so one can tell some parts were written much, much earlier than thought because of the ancient Hebrew used, etc. It is fascinating. And then Dirk Stabins adds I'll second Richard Eliot Friedman's book, The Bible with Sources Revealed, as a great book. Guess where I first heard about it? If you took more than one second before saying Robert M. Price on The Bible Geek, then you are dead to me. Free. <laughs> Friedman does hold that there is an actual exodus behind the biblical account, and I'm more an Old Testament minimalist, but there's a video here on YouTube called Richard Friedman, the Exodus based on the sources themselves, which I like. It's interesting to watch because he gets so nervous and passionate about the subject, and his his comb-over flops around. Alright, well thank you guys, I appreciate the Bible geekery, and I do appreciate it when you guys correct me. It may be humbling, but it also spurs me on to investigate further, and uh, it helps to keep me honest. As I've said repeatedly, my biggest fear doing this show is inadvertently putting bad information out there. While I'm falling on my sword, I should probably clear up another thing, too. I believe I I referred to the documentary hypothesis as a theory in passing. The documentary hypothesis is obviously a hypothesis. Uh, I was using theory in the vernacular or layman sense, not in the scientific sense. Scientifically speaking, a theory is greater than a hypothesis. So I first learned about the documentary hypothesis years and years ago, around the same time I first learned about doublets, I believe. And in case you missed the last episode, doublets in the world of biblical scholarship are when you have multiple, uh, two or at least two, uh, accounts of the same event in the Bible, sometimes with conflicting details. Actually, I believe I learned about the documentary Hypothesis and Doublets from the same documentary. I think it was a special presentation of that old series, Mysteries of the Bible. You can actually find it on YouTube. It's entitled Who Wrote the Bible? I used to absolutely love Mysteries of the Bible, and ironically, I think it was documentaries like that that really explored the man-made nature of biblical texts that helped me close the door on literal belief. I say ironically because I doubt that was the intention of the show's creators. I think the series was very respectful of religion but was also just very honest in its scholarly dissection of sacred texts. I think Mysteries of the Bible may have been a Bram Ruse production, I'm not sure. I remember Leonard Nimoy narrated a series around the same time entitled Ancient Mysteries, another series I loved. And if you really want to go back in time, I can remember watching another Leonard Nimoy show as a little kid entitled In Search Of. They used to cover things like cryptozoology, Curlian photography, etc., But anyway, so yeah, I first learned about doublets in the documentary hypothesis from that documentary. And uh, Liz Marie is right. It's a lot more than just what name for God the authors used. As she suggested, it also has to do with the evolving nature of the Hebrew language. I actually remember one of the scholars being interviewed comparing it to, say... Shakespeare's English, or the English of the Elizabethan period, modern English in some intermediate state, and trying to get an idea of who wrote a particular part of the text and when and where based on the differences in language. And supposedly the differences in the narratives are much more apparent in the original Hebrew than in the translated versions. And there's some other interesting factors that come into play, too, like how some biblical texts, perhaps the writings that are categorized under E for Elohim, seem to emphasize the importance of the second son, echoing the split or schism that took place, leaving a divided nation. You have the kingdom of Judah in the south and the newer kingdom of Israel in the north. The second son is thought to be a metaphor for or symbolic of the northern kingdom of Israel. So maybe now I'll just give a brief historical outline of the documentary hypothesis. So the Documentary Hypothesis is actually one of at least three suggested models used to try to explain the authorship of the Torah or Pentateuch, once again the first five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the other two models being the Supplementary Hypothesis and the Fragmentary Hypothesis. I'll save those for another episode. But all three are in agreement that the Pentateuch was not written by a single author. Traditionally, it was suggested that Moses wrote the Pentateuch himself. There's some interesting cognitive gymnastics out there that seek to explain how the heck Moses could have been the author when the Pentateuch includes the story of his own death. Some say maybe he wrote the part of his own death while crying. Other apologists suggest that that part may have been written by Joshua. And I guess for the moment we'll put aside the dubious historicity of Moses. I think I may have done an episode on the historicity of the Exodus and uh, Moses uh, quite some time ago. I have no idea which episode number it is. You could probably search the Podbean archives if you're interested. And so the documentary hypothesis, drink every time I say documentary hypothesis, suggests that the four sources each started out as individual documents or books and were joined and redacted over time. I believe J and E are thought to combine to form J-E, kind of like Voltron. I think Crocoduck may have mentioned that as well in a recent message he uh, sent me. Speaking of Crocoduck, he jokingly said he couldn't wait to hear how a New Englander pronounced the name of Julie is it Wellhausen or Wellhausen, a Victorian-era uh, Bible scholar and one of the originators of the documentary hypothesis. Did I pronounce it right? Uh, is it Wellhausen or is it Wellhausen? If you really wanted to test my ability to mask my New England accent, you should have thrown something with some R's in it at me. Park the car and have it But it was what is wrong with me? Yeah, I am drinking again. But it was or Wilhausen's version of the documentary hypothesis that, as I understand it, was widely accepted for most of the 20th century. But I think the fragmentary and supplementary models are starting to gain popularity again. But how much can I say about the documentary hypothesis? I think I'm going to call it a wrap. So thanks, guys. I hope there weren't any errors in this episode. Uh, if there were, I hope they're not too uh, plentiful. Uh, you know the drill: Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Uh, if you want to help the show out monetarily, you can go to patreoncom slash doubt and help the show out for as little as ninety-nine cents a month. All right, brothers and sisters. Until next week.